Welcome to episode 179 of Cowboys Racking Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, we have actual football to talk about this week. Don't tease me, JP. Don't tease me. Don't lie to me here. Don't don't dangle the carrot in front of the horse and then pull it away at the last second. Okay, That's what we thought we had last week. We were yeah. ready to record our preview. Like 45 then, minutes. Like 45 minutes from recording. And then Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World, who we had on the previous podcast to discuss the Tulsa game, said that you know she announced that the game was being pushed back a week because Tulsa only had seven practices because of their they had to halt practice like we talked about uh, last week because they had a little bit of an outbreak on the team. This has nothing to do with new cases. This is not going to cause the game to not be played. But with both teams having a bye, it was easy enough to move the game back. Oklahoma State accommodated. And so we're going to play this Saturday rather than playing this past one. Yeah, I was literally recording with the Golden Hurricast. It's a TU podcast. We were wrapping it up. We're feeling real good. And then the Heinz tweet was uh, was seen. And it was like, well, I guess this can get play uh, used later because it's not as important to get out before Saturday. But uh, uh, by the way, if you uh, if you want a, another perspective on the game uh, beforehand, go check out the Golden Hurricast there to – some guys who cover TU, they've got a podcast that's pretty good. Um, just give you some Tulsa perspective. I always like to listen to some stuff from the opponent uh, heading into each week. It just gives me a little more knowledge, and I feel 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 like I can sound smart and know more. Um, so go give them a go give them a follow. Go give them a, a check out. Yeah, we are recording this on Sunday night, watching Sunday night football. The, this weekend, it's been weird, obviously, with you know either limited capacity crowds or no fans. Uh, but being able to watch college football in the NFL in a w- year that has been so weird and so awful in so many different capacities, it's given me just a little just a little bit of normal. I hope that you have felt the same way, I'm sure. I mean, Fox was pumping sound in. Yeah. And, I mean, look, my family was in town. Um, I'm watching football. Parents are here. Got two kids. So it's not like I was just hardcore, right. locked in as usual. No, I, I did watch the games I was – basically it meant I could watch one game. I wasn't doing as much flipping. So, like, I watched Kansas State, Arkansas State. I didn't really watch a whole lot of the Iowa State game. I didn't really watch much of the West Virginia. Like, once I found a game I was going to lock into, I locked into. However, you know, Fox was pumping in game sound. So it really didn't feel that different. No, I mean, um, I'll be honest. From a TV yeah. viewing perspective, sure. like – yeah, you you, and if your angles are the way they are, it's not like you spend all the game going, oh, let's check out, let's see what's in the crowd. So, I don't know. I was all right. It it I think it feels weird because we know in the back of our mind what's really going on. Um, but I was just happy to watch some football, bad yeah. football, sloppy football, not not good Big Twelve football, but football. but football nonetheless. Yeah, football nonetheless. We're also recording on Sunday because. Uh, my wife and I are pretty much on baby watch at this point. We didn't want to risk recording our preview on Wednesday or Thursday when the unknown, <laughs> with all the unknown that's that's to come. So, yeah, uh, this is gonna be a it's it's any time now for you, bud. It's pretty much, yeah, now. yeah. It, it is. It could be tomorrow. It could be four days. I we have no idea. That's the hilarious part uh, that we've noticed when you get a due date from the doctor that. Yay, that's the due date. But then you get two weeks out and like, what is time? I, I have no idea. Yeah. I remember those days. They were not that long ago. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a weird, like, 
it is the calm before the storm. Yes. Where there's that the stress of it coming, but it, you also have to be like, just you just gotta you just gotta be ready. You gotta be on the edge of your seat, ready to go for whenever it happens. And then it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of fun, and then it's a lot of work forever. Yep. And ever, and ever. Amen. All right, let, let, let's get into some football here. We're going to start. So this was the depth chart that came out last Monday mm-hmm. for the game. I'm sure there'll be a new one that'll come out when Gundy has his availability every Monday like he normally does. Well, and, and don't don't assume we won't have like what happened with Oklahoma or West yeah. Virginia, you know, where – let's say more Oklahoma than West Virginia Oklahoma. West Virginia had guys out from suspension. Oklahoma had a number of players and starters out – due to the coronavirus uh so just because we know what the depth chart is those are the guys who are supposed to start we'll have to see who actually uh gets to start uh when when the game kicks off if if everybody's healthy and ready to go right so so we don't need to read the whole too deep you can go on twitter instagram facebook whatever all this but what are some of your and just some initial thoughts across the board from what you saw on the two deep for Oklahoma State for this coming game um, I, uh, I was, uh, and understand it's just based off the facts that I have. I, I did not expect to see Cole Birmingham as the starter at right guard. I thought maybe that, uh, that Hunter Woodard would, would, uh, in, in that spot, he is a, a class older. Um, he's had, he has seemingly done, had a little more experience. He's actually started the game. So I thought Hunter Woodard, um, would, uh, would potentially, get that right guard spot. You see him as the, uh, the backup behind West Virginia transfer, Josh Seals at left guard and Cole Birmingham, a red shirt freshman is going to start there at, at right guard. That's, um, that's big, especially when you realize his, his backup is Preston Wilson, uh, who is also a red shirt freshman. So your right guard position is locked down by, by two young guys. Um, and really, I think that's the big thing. If you look across, Offensive line, offensive line, something I've been paying, trying to pay a lot of attention to, uh, both the where things stand and recruiting lately. You know, you've got Tevin Jenkins, who's considered one of the best offensive linemen in the Big Twelve. Uh, he's your starting left tackle. Behind him is Taylor Maturko. So your your, your backup left tackle is a redshirt freshman. Your Josh Sills is your starting left guard. He's played started quite a few games for West Virginia. He's been an All Big Twelve guy. Uh, he's starting at left guard. That's nice. You get him for two years. Behind him, Hunter Woodard, a sophomore, true sophomore. Uh, I think it's true sophomore, maybe either way. Yeah, he true. is a sophomore. Then you get Rice Schneider at center, senior. He started games before. He's played games. You you feel good there behind him. Tyrese Williams, sophomore. Like it's it, this goes down the line. Cole Birmingham and Preston Wilson, Richard freshman. Hunter Anthony at right tackle. You feel okay, he's he started some games. That's who I thought would be there. He's a sophomore, and behind him. Jake Springfield is the guy who got the uh, the scholarship. Uh, he is a redshirt freshman. He's the one they, they put on scholarship. You saw that really cool uh, video when he got that announcement. So he's a guy who was a, a walk-on who got awarded a scholarship for playing as well. He's a, he's a redshirt freshman. The word redshirt freshman, you're hearing a lot. That's because every, all five redshirt freshmen, everybody in that class is on the two deep. Um, the big concern for offensive line, this is something I wanted to talk about, I know we're kind of going off. We'll get back to that in a minute. Watching the games this weekend, watching Iowa State's offensive line struggle. It's an offensive line that struggles every year. But, you know, this was supposed to be the year 
but they struggled. Kansas State, five brand new starters. They were bad. And I don't know if it was necessarily bad because it's a lack of talent, but they were five brand new starters who didn't have an offseason. Iowa State, same situation. I am not so much concerned with the potential and maybe some of the talent that is on this offensive line. I am concerned with having this many young guys. You got two guys who you got three guys who are who officially new, supposed to be the guy starters with Rye Schneider, Cole Birmingham, and, and Hunter Anthony, uh, Josh Sills, who's new to the program. You got a whole lot of redshirt freshmen. This is a offensive line who didn't have an off season to prepare. Offensive line to me is the one position that needs the most reps, the most time together, the most working together, the most practice. You look at the in the NFL, like one of the reasons that they say that offensive line play has been so bad in the NFL as of late, you, you see some more bad in the lines is they haven't, is they reduced the number of practices and that's the group that needs the most practice to get up to speed. I am a little worried about this offensive line. It was one of the best ones in the Big 12 heading into the offseason. Now, it's still one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12, but I have real concern about this offensive line heading into this season, especially just for the early parts of the year um, until they really, we really see how quickly they can gel. Yeah, continuity is definitely going to be something to watch early on and see what they've been able to do in the 17 or so practices that they were able to get in fall camp uh, with this group at 2D. I will say I was a little bit concerned when I saw retro freshman, retro freshman, you know, just young guys. But for a couple, a couple things kind of helped call me, bring me back down to earth and think this is going to be okay. One, we plug it a lot, but Adam Lunt and Mitch get over a tape doesn't lie. They do a fantastic job breaking everything down. They did an offensive breakdown last week. And Adam, Adam is pretty much an offensive line guru. Really, uh, really helped me become smarter watching the game in that regard. But he talked about Cole Birmingham, and when they did their recruiting class, like the 2019 recruiting class or 2018 recruiting class uh, a couple of years ago, and they broke everybody down based on high school film and stuff, he, they had Cole Birmingham as an early impact guy, a first or second year, you know, maybe not right away, but a guy that's going to come in as a retro freshman or a retro sophomore and going to make an impact and going to play. And the way that they talked about the way that he plays, it fits the scheme and he, he is the type of guy that's going to work early on as a player. So I don't feel near as bad. Hunter Anthony got some time last year. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to improve quite a bit. What gives me hope is having a guy like Charlie Dickey as the coach, as that as the that positional group coach. You saw the improvement that, that they had from 2018 to 2019 as a group and having to mix and match and shuffle with some of the injuries that happened on the offensive line last year you're going to continue to see that improvement and seeing all these young guys that are that were freshmen or sophomores when charlie dickey came in that means they're getting that coaching from the minute that they step on campus they're going so i i feel a little bit better about them maybe it it is definitely going to be a concern it's going to be something to watch early on and i'm not expecting them to be perfect in any way but i know that at the end of the day this group is going to be okay because of the guy that's leading them in you know in the locker room and in the the practice field day in day out yeah, and again, it's it's less to do with – it's not that I don't trust Charlie Dickey. I think Kansas State has a really good offensive line coach now as well. Um, 
it's more to do with the off season being what it is. Right. Um, yeah. That's going to be a problem. Makes it's be- having these young guys and so many new faces and so many guys in, in positions they didn't, they weren't in last year is how quickly can they can gel? How much time have they actually had to work together to, to be there and practice? Like it's, this is also a look OSU has not made it through a whole season without having offensive linemen miss games mm-hmm. in a while. This is a group where you look at them and say, if Tevin Jenkins goes down for a stretch, if Josh Sills goes down, if Rice Schneider, how good are we feeling? Mm-hmm. Right? Just because these are all listed as two deep guys doesn't mean all these guys are going to play that much. Like we've seen plenty of top times where it's really eight guys that just shuffle and move around into five positions. Um, this is fine, but I, it, it does feel like they're an injury or two away in this going into a game with a terrible guys missing where you're going to have some real concerns. So I, I'll, I'll, we'll see how they look on Saturday. Um, you know, with the players that they have it with, with Sanders mobility and, and with Chuba, I, I'm, I'm not, that not, I'm like worried they're not going to be good, but you see what happens with Kansas state's offense. Like their offensive line was bad it killed their offense. So I'm just, I, I'm, I feel like I'm being like overly negative. I'm, it is just, it's a concern. I need to see what they look like on Saturday. And I, and I hope they look, I hope they look good. I do. Yeah. Well, I'll go to my, one of my takeaways is having a guy like having grad transfer from Mizzou Christian Holmes, which by the way, I'll, I'll get into my point here in a second. I think it's kind of cool. The players can wear zero now. I, I at first I thought it was gonna be a little weird, but I, I think it's kind of cool. And also I think, that a corner wearing number zero is about the cockiest thing you could, that you can possibly do on a football field at this point. But having him as the backup for both Jerick Bernard Converse on one side and Rodarius Williams, meaning that you can plug and play Christian Holmes on the boundary side or on the field side as a corner. And from what I've heard, he's brought some juice and he's been really good at, in practice the, over the past couple of weeks. He's going to come in and make a huge impact on this team right away for a position that, as we talked about in the spring and going into the offseason, cornerback was going to be a position of concern for us. But if he can play up, to, play up to the expectation that I think they have for him, being able to play on both sides is going to be huge for this team. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's – well, we've now officially started by talking about the two, the two position groups on either side of the ball that are the biggest question marks heading into the season. Um, it is interesting to see – We've been hearing more and more that, that Jarek Bernard Converse was probably going to get the start. He was probably had done enough to, to earn the starting spot opposite Radarius Williams. It's interesting to see Christian Holmes listen as the backup behind both of them. Yeah. Um, so essentially what you're telling me is that there's a three deep or just there's three guys that play the cornerback position. Um, and we haven't seen enough from guys like Thomas Harper, DeMarco Jones, or any of the true freshmen. Well, they're showing, uh, they're showing Thomas Harper move to safety. Behind, he's behind Tanner McAllister. Oh, man. I just noticed that. Thank you. Um, okay, cool. So, I, I'm sure that the quarterback after this year. Anyways, well, um, I can, well, what I can, my guess and how smart I am with football, you know, judge however you desire, but I can imagine you will probably see Thomas Harper in like a slot corner, like a nickel corner kind of, and, you know, mm-hmm. in that sort of package where you bring in like five DBs. He'll, I bet he still plays kind of almost like a hybrid type. But moving to safety, I, I don't know what that means for his development. But I think it's just maybe just be an opportunity to get him on the field more than anything. Yeah. 
I also always look at things from the perspective of like looking at the roster. And I understand that everybody basically gets a free pass to come back next year if they want to. I'm not going to operate with that mindset because I just don't know how many guys will actually take that and run with it. Maybe Dylan Stoner. Maybe we'll get Dylan Stoner until he's like, you know, 30. But uh, from a roster standpoint, that's an interesting move. Uh, it makes cornerback something to keep an eye on for the next few years, just with, with roster management and what they do with it. Um, I think that's neat. I do think I was going to say the fact that Christian Holmes is the backup for both uh, Jarek Bernard Converse and Rodriguez Williams is interesting. Um, it, maybe I'm dumb and you're gonna be like, yeah, that's every year. It's interesting to you that there's two cowboy backs listed as starters. I do think that's interesting, and we, but rarely do we see them both on the field at the same time, and I think schematically with what Casey Dunn's going to bring, I don't see many scenarios where both are on the field at the same time. But then why – that's what's interesting. So why list – like I almost – look at that and go, why would you list it that way? Like you're not going to list them that way unless that's how you right. expect to if line it, up. I mean, the the day, but that doesn't line up with, with 2017's offense, does it? Not necessarily, but – I think we should just call a spade a spade, and the cowboy back is a fullback at this point. They sure. are not a major. Well, it's a, it it's not, a hybrid. It's a tight it, end. They, well, they say it's a hybrid, but it's obviously not a major part of the offense because both are just better blockers. They're not as good of route runners. They're not obvious because, and I, I got a little bit of this. So I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit what Mitch Gift and Adam Lund talked about, but like. People wanted to say, like, when the offense was sputtering last year, well, just give Jelani the ball. Obviously, they don't trust Jelani to go and throw <laughs> to run downfield and run these routes and act like Travis Kelsey. He's, you know, he's he's a blocking tight end. He's a very good blocking tight end. Same with Logan Carter, and you can split him out every once in a while to go and run a route. But they are fullbacks. That's really what the Cowboy back is. I don't see it as the hybrid that everyone. I as the years have gone on, and we have talked ad nauseum on this about getting the Cowboy backs involved. It's obviously not part of the game plan. And they would rather keep them in as an inline blocker, an extra offensive lineman. And I bet we do see maybe two on the field every once in a while. If the offensive mm-hmm. line is struggling, you have that extra blocker to help in a zone read or help with like a little, a little duo power play. I think we see well, them more in that. Was, uh, that. Considering the conversation we just had about the offensive line, having two Cowboy backs out there on the field Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see them running almost like a what would it be like maybe like a twenty like a twenty one personnel with two tight ends and a running back, and have one of either Logan Carter or um, or Jelani Woods line up off tackle with either either the other guy you know next to Spencer Sanders you got Chuba and a pistol you know Chuba and Spencer and a pistol with two wide receivers or three wide receivers. I can, I can see a scenario like that. Yeah. I, it's It was just interesting to me because that's – I'm like, I'm sorry, are you trying to say you're going to start 12 person? Because you only have 11 person starters in the – Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I, it's just interesting to have two guys listed as starters uh, when you can only – you're like uh, – um, Other than that, I'm, I'm, there's no surprises, honestly. Um on the lineup, I'm I'm excited to see Brennan Presley listed uh, as the or with Landon Wolf behind Dylan Stoner. Um, seeing D. Anderson and Tay Martin both listed as ors behind Braden Johnson. From everything I've heard, Tay Martin was essentially brought in. Uh, I had Scott Wright 
um, on my show for uh, the 1012 for an OSU preview. And basically his statement was that Tay Martin was essentially, if, if D Anderson was living up to their hopes and expectations, they would have had no reason to bring Tay Martin in. Um, they kind of brought Tay Martin in a, cause they had the opportunity, but B because D Anderson just hasn't been up to snuff. Um, hasn't been at, I, I, it wasn't stated that he had had coronavirus and it wasn't stated that he was just skipping practice. It was just kind of left like either or it felt more like a, he might've had the virus or something. But the point is, it feels, you know, Tay Martin was brought in from Washington State. And honestly, if you look at D. Anderson and Tay Martin, Tay Martin's done more on the field than D. Anderson is. You're almost more excited about what T. Martin can do coming in from Washington State than D. Anderson. I'm just, I'm not sure how much either one, how much play either one gets behind Braden Johnson, but I'm, I'll be curious to see if, if that's a, a battle and that does anything or if it's just two guys that we got excited about coming into the offseason and just don't do a whole lot. So I think we're going to see. D. Martin, D. Anderson, D. Martin, and Tay Anderson. Okay, D. Anderson and Tay Martin play a little more than I think we're seeing them play a little more than you think. I think Spencer Sanders needs a big body receiver on the outside, like a true X receiver that can go up against a smaller quarterback and get that mismatch. Oklahoma State really didn't have that last year. They didn't have that guy that could go up, and you know, Braden Johnson's a good deep threat, but he's six foot. You know, what am I looking at? He's six foot two hundred. Six nothing. Yeah. Yeah. D Anderson is six six two thirty. Six six. Yeah. Tay Martin is six three, one eighty-five. Oklahoma State doesn't have like they didn't have that last year, like having like a guy like a Marcel Aitman or just that big yeah. body receiver that can go up and just win a ball when you really need it. And I think both of those guys are gonna be able to provide that to the offense, just something a little bit different. And so I think it's just going to bring a little dynamic, different dynamic to the receiving core. Now, how much run they actually get, I don't know. I think we see D. Anderson before Tay Martin, just because Tay Martin got here two or three weeks ago, just got immediate eligibility. He's still trying to get in a little bit. I think D. Anderson's been around a little bit longer just to if he's ready to go because he just wasn't with the team for a little bit. But adding those guys in brings a different dynamic. It adds another element to, you know, being able to run different route concepts and get their, get give defenses different looks to give Spencer Sanders more guys to throw to. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, uh, my last observation, and we, when we'll, we can move on, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but do you find it odd that there's no or after LD Brown at running back? Yes, more so. I'm just shocked that LD Brown is the backup. Like he must be really doing well in camp. Um, or what my fear is, is that no matter what I keep hearing about, uh, we've seen nothing about Dondrick Glass. I've heard nothing about him. Dominic Richardson just got, you know, got there. Um, Zach Middleton's a running back, but I, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised to see L.D. Brown and it, and Look, he was much better in the second half of the season than he was in the first half, give him full credit. And maybe he'll come out this year and be second half L.D. Brown and not first half of the season L.D. Brown, and that would be great. He, he'll, he'll make a solid backup to Chuba. Um, they don't need a, a, a backup to come in. and They don't need multiple backups for Chuba. Like, Chuba be all right. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that L.D. Brown is the certified backup and uh, Desmond Jackson is still just – at best the third 
third back as much as we keep hearing like, oh, it was this or oh, it was that. Maybe he's just not that good. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I just did find that a little odd. Normally we've seen an or the last couple of years. Even I think they had DeAndre Glasses in or last year at some point. So to not see even a third back on there is a little concerning, but I find that a little odd too. So we'll see. I imagine we're going to see more than two running backs at some point in that game against Tulsa. But to see just the true 2D either solidifies that LD Brown has taken a huge step forward this year or there's not anyone behind them to trust. I mean, there's an or at backup long snapper, okay? And so that there's not a, an or at running back is a little bit shocking. Okay, I, I, so I, I agree with you there. I agree. Okay. So now we're going to move on. We're going to do a little over-under segment here uh, talking about you know, you know, stat predictions for player, individual players at Oklahoma State and then some team. Why don't we do, our, why don't we do our, our, our ad break here and then we'll do it. You want to do that? So do you want to do the ad like ad break here over under? Get rid of it. Get it done. Get it done. And then let's do some over unders. All right. We have an over under segment coming up here. Talk, we're gonna make some predictions for the 2020 season, and you will hear that right after this. All right, Philip. So we have some over under predictions for a few different. Let's see. I have six different players here. Uh, um, Three on offense, three on defense for Oklahoma State. We can you can guess who the three are on offense, and then we got a few team in you know team as a whole uh, prediction over under predictions as well. Start with Spencer Sanders. Do I have to guess, or are you gonna are you gonna? Oh no, you already told me who they were. Yeah, I already told I already told you who. I, I sent you. I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, it's a joke. Dude, not it's a very good one on a Sunday. See, it's been a long it, weekend. Not a I'm not funny. <laughs> I am I am dad funny now. I'm not like normal. I'm not even dad funny anymore. Like my kids barely laugh like at my jokes. So, granted, one of them hasn't laughed yet because she's two months old. But that's not the point. All right, let's start with Spencer Sanders. We'll go over under twenty five hundred passing yards. <sighs> let's see. In a see, it, it's a ten game season. Well, I mean, or thirteen game season if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got the jokes. Um. Let's go with under. Under? Yeah. Under 2,500 yards passing. We're just, we're just talking regular season. So let's just yeah. 10-game regular season. Don't worry about bowl game, whatever, anything other outside of the 10 games on the schedule. Under the 2,500. I'm going to take over very slightly. I think having Casey Dunn as your – OC, I think Oklahoma has aired out a little more than we saw last year. Whether they trust Spencer Sanders to throw the ball that much, we, we, we'll see. And then you have Chuba Hubbard as well. But I just – I think they're going to air it out a little more than we might expect right now. So I'm, I'm going to take over, but it'll be like maybe 2,600. I'm not, I'm not going way too far over on this. Fair, fair. All right, now we'll stick with Spencer Sanders. We've got one more. Over under 21 and a half touchdown passes. Um. Un, under, I, no. I think, I think, man, 10 games. And that's the thing. It's t- 10 game schedule. Um, not 12, like a normal season. If this was a tw- normal 12 game season, I might lean towards 21 and a half or 22, 23. Uh, I'm going to go under because it's a 10 game season. I think it's close. I think it's 20 to 21. I do think he can get it 20 touchdowns this seasons, but I, I, I just, I got to take the under there. Yeah, I'll take the under, but it'll be I'll take that I'll take twenty one. 
I, I think 21 is a pretty good number for him, but I, I'm not going to, I don't, now he could pop one game and throw for five touchdowns and then that number increases. I, I don't know, but I, Tulsa, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the yeah. numbers could inflate quite, quite a bit. It takes one game to really like inflate the numbers pretty easily. In a I'll move on to Chuba Hubbard over mm-hmm. under six, 1,650 yards rushing. I'm going to say over two reasons. He had, 2094 last year. Now, granted, that's in 13 games, so you would extrapolate back and think, okay, well, take the number of games out. But uh, you think about those games in the back end of the season where teams were able to just load up to stop him because Spencer was out. Uh, if Spencer is right, anti-land. So if Spencer is better this season, um, that should actually help you. Now, the offensive line concerns me, like I said, but I will say over. Now, I don't think over by a lot um, just because it's a 10-game season. Um, but I will take, I will take over. I'll, I I think he hits. Man, I think, I think he can hit at least eighteen. Yeah, I mean, because this would, I mean, ten game season makes it easy to average, like to do averages. I mean, you average one hundred and sixty five a game to get to to get to this number, and he easily, I think he easily can see a couple games over two hundred. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna take the over on this as well. I think seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Especially if he pops off like he did against like K State and uh, Tulsa and TCU, like he did last year, going over for 200 yards. He has a couple of those, and that number goes up pretty quick. Over under 11 and a half touchdowns. Over. He had 21 last year. Yep, Come I'm on. taking the over on this one as well. That one's easy. That's yep. too easy. That's a Vegas. That that's a bad bet on Vegas's part there. Fair. All right, Tylen Wallace over under 950 receiving yards. Um. I mean, he got injured in what? Get, uh, game eight last year? Or was Something it nine? Like I think it was game eight. He missed – how many games? He missed um, – Missed TCU, KU. Yeah, I want to say – maybe game seven. I don't want to think about it too hard. But either way, he, he missed, missed like five. He missed like five games. He had 903 yards and f- with – yeah, I'll take – assuming – yeah, over. Yeah, I'll take over too. He should get uh, – he gets 1,000 yards this season. Even yeah, in 10 games. Yeah, That's if Chuba's awesome. able to continue to do his thing and Spencer's able to spread the wealth a little bit and get a, basically get the bracket away from – because the teams are still going to try and bracket Tyler Wallace. And until Spencer sure. consistently can go to other guys, like if you, if you get Dylan Stoner and D. Anderson, Braden Johnson, Tay Martin, early, D. Anderson in early, then you're going to be able to open things up for Tyler. And Tyler's so good, he probably can still get through a bracketed, bracketed coverage and still get his, his touches and be fine. Well, and I think they'll still they're still going to target him. Like, oh, listen, sure. he's not going to target. And yeah. he had he was averaging 112 yards, almost 113 yards a game last yeah. season before he got hurt. To to get under a thousand in a 10 game season means he has to go average under 100. No, I, yeah. I'll say I'll say over on nine fifty. I think he hits a thousand yards. Yeah, over under eight and a half touchdowns. Not that one. Because he has those like big game potentials, you know, uh, he had eight touchdowns last year in essentially seven games. We're asking if can he do a half a touchdown better in ten? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes because I think he'll have at least one or two like three touchdown games, which will account for st- yeah, I'll, not by a lot. Um, I think he probably ends up with about nine. 
Because that, yeah, that just thinking, feels about right. Yeah, see, I'm thinking the I'll take the over, and I'm thinking in nine or ten. Like I'm I'm not going too significantly over, but I think you get yeah. Like he, he's, I, he's got the he's got those games in him where he's going to get two maybe three. I don't buy OSU playing spread the wealth. Texas Tech spreads the wealth. OSU doesn't no, spread don't. the wealth. OSU no, throws to like two to three guys consistently, and everyone, every game, someone else might get a pass here yeah. and there. So yeah, it's one of those things that I'm not necessarily saying Oklahoma State needs to do that, but I think to be able to just soften that coverage just enough to get him, you know. 10, 12, yeah, yeah, 13 yeah, yeah. targets a game. That, that's more what I mean. I'm not saying – Johnson's going to get his. Oh, for uh, sure. Stoner's going to get his. Uh, you don't put – uh, you're going to throw a couple of cowboy backs a few times. Chuba's going to get opportunity. Like, other guys are going to get passes. But uh, you th- you're going to throw to, to, to Wallace a lot. We've, teams know that and they still can't stop him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I'll – yeah. All right. Now let's move over to the defense. Malcolm Rodriguez over under 75 and a half tackles. Hmm. He had 103 last Three year. last year. Yep. So I'll say I'm gonna say. Hmm. That's interesting. Um. I'm gonna go under just because I think Calvin Bundage is gonna get. You have enough linebackers that you don't have to rely on Malcolm so being I, on I, the field. I for thought 100% about that, but I wonder if Stone if if Calvin gets used in a lot of like as a de- basically defensive end as such, should we still see him and Malcolm? Like more, I, I can see them using Bundage as more of an edge. I'm gonna, I'll agree. I, I, I think you're right around the right number. So I have a hard time thinking. Like if it's over or under, it's not by a lot. That's the thing. I'm gonna go slight it's, under. It's more to do with just a ten game regular season as opposed to like tw- you know twelve game. That's what throws a lot of this off in my head is the numbers. Mm-hmm. I will go with the under. I think it's close to that. Because um, okay, let's let's do some math here. I hate math, but we'll do math because math is a boring thing. One hundred three tackles last season uh, divided by thirteen games is essentially eight. So eighty. All right. I'll take the over. I'll take, take the, the over. I'll take the That's over. He essentially guessing. averaged eight tackles a game last season. So 7.9. So close to eight tackles a game. If he can keep that pace up, which I think he can, he can get the over. So I'll, I'll go with the over. Okay. Trace Ford, over under four and a half sacks. Hit three last year. As a true freshman. He is the starter this year from the get-go. He better, honestly. Uh, as 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 a guy who we're all talking about a lot, like I, he kind of needs to, honestly. Like if if he's going to continue to build up to the potential we all think he has, and I don't mean that to put too much pressure on the kid, but I, I would like to see. I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. I'll go with it over. Now I think that's five. I think five sacks yeah. this year, three sacks last year, five sacks in ten games. That that's. It's a half a second game. That's a that's a good number. Yeah. I will take I will take the over. I because I kind of think I need to see that from him. I want to see five sacks this season because yeah. I want him to just be a sack machine his, his junior year. Like I want him like I want him averaging a sack a game as a junior. Yeah. I want teams I, to have to like double up on him just to just I, to keep him from the quarterback. I, I 100% see him taking advantage of the offensive line struggles that we talked about. Uh, oh yeah. Oh gosh. I wish we had Kansas I State think, in two weeks so I, I bad. Think, 
I think he's going to pop really early this year because of that. And I think he could hit the over in probably the first three or four games of the year. I, I have, and with the 15 to 20 pounds of muscle that he put on in the offseason, he's going to be a nightmare for defenses. I 100% can see him hitting the over, hitting the over substantially. Um, and that, I think five is a good number. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, but I think he hits, I think he hits the over and he might even go over pretty significantly on that. Colby Harville Peel. That would be nice. I'd yeah, be okay for sure. Colby Harville Peel over under two and a half interceptions. Now, a lot of his stuff came on the back end of the season because he yes. had, he had that, five intercept. He had five last year. And that was when the defense – because the defense, the first part, they really didn't cause turnovers at all. Then they just started causing turnovers all over the place. Like they were causing two or three a game. Over two and a half. I'll take the over. Um, five is a lot in the season. So I, and it, it takes guys doing that back-to-back seasons for me to think it's not somewhat fluky and somewhat – you know what I mean? Because interceptions, there is luck involved in interceptions. Now that's not to take credit away because luck, luck is a combination of preparation and timing. Um, that means you have to you have to when the opportunity presents itself, you have to be able to take advantage of it. It's the, I hate people. People see lucky as like an insult. I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. There's luck is involved in all sorts of things in life. It just means you got an opportunity and you were smart enough or well prepared enough to take advantage of it. That's what luck is. So uh, five was a lot last year. Um, and so much that came in the back half, I'd like to think some of that carries over. I will take the over two and a half. I don't, uh, three would be good to me. Feels about right. I'll take that. Yeah, I will take the over as well. I think he's going to continue to capitalize on what uh, he did at the end of last season. I think Oklahoma State, the defense itself is going to be able to capitalize and continue the momentum of what we saw at the end of last season, being able to force turnovers letting Jim Knowles kind of let it rip a little bit and the blitz, allow the blitz king to do his thing, get pressure on the quarterback when you, when you have a guy like Trace Ford. I think they're going to use, like I said earlier, I think they're going to use Calvin Bundage as an edge. And you get Trace Ford and Calvin Bundage and just let it, let him loose on third down in an obvious passing down situation, that's going to cause turnovers. That's going to cause interceptions. And Colby Harbaugh Peel was in the right place at the right time a lot last year, which is – Again, like we talk about, there is some luck, but that's also a ton of preparation knowing where you need to be in the right spot and the ball finds you. That's what a lot of that was, and I can see that again. I'll take the over pretty significantly on this one as well. Yeah. Going over to the team aspect of this and team and us kind of combined here, but over under two and a half awards finalists at the end of the year. So let's – this is broad because there's a lot of awards. So you would expect Chuba to be up for is it the Doke is the Doke, Doke Walker, Walker the Yeah, the Doke Walker's the, running back. Okay, what's the Canadian one he won last oh, year? Oh, the I I that's a branding question. I don't know. But oh, the Cornish. That's not the, the Corn- point. The point Cornish is this. The, the point is this. I think Chuba could be up for two by himself. Both the Doke Walker as a finalist and he'll probably win the Canadian one again. Um so let's give him two of those. Can Tylen make get through the whole season and be a Bolitnikov finalist? Uh, I think he can. So let's go with the over as far as finalists because that would give me three, and that's not taking into account. I don't I don't know anybody else that I feel great about saying is going to be a finalist for anything, but that's three awards right there. So let's go with the over. Yes, yeah, so I'll take the over. I, I agree with you that I think – and it's, also, I remember it's the Cornish – Trophy, Cornish Award, something like that. It's a Canadian. Yeah, Heisman. Cornish. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So, like the head. Dope Walker for sure. And then Tylen being there. 
And I have a feeling like I talked about Colby Hargrove Peel Ikes. I think he's going to have a huge year. It, it would not surprise me if he plays like he did down the stretch last year, that he's up for the Jim Gold Award. Now, do I think he'll win it? Probably not, but it wouldn't no. surprise me if he ends up as a as a finalist for the award. Fair enough. Maybe Fair I'm looking through. Maybe I'm. That's a little too orange tinted glasses of me, but I, I do believe that he's that good and that the defense is going to be legit this year. Fair enough. Over under four and a half freshmen playing significant snaps. So this one's a little bit tricky, and let me explain why. Um. Because I do think there will be true freshmen who play. Um, no one's red shirts get burned this year, right? I almost want someone to still do a red shirt tracker just so we can kind of keep track of which I mean, true freshmen play on a regular basis. Um, I would say significant. That's the tricky word. Significant is vague because it is. Yeah. That could be, you could have three freshmen who play on special teams every game. Right. Uh, they're always back there on the special teams. Okay. So that let's would go, shock me. So let's go with, just to, to put a little more of a number to it, let's go over, let's go 50% of offensive or defensive snaps. Because freshmen are going to play on special mm. teams, but that's tough to tell what they're actually doing besides just being a special teamer. I'll take the under... Yeah, I, this I, is I, too. This is too much of a senior outside of offensive line. This is a a group of players who's a lot of suit juniors and seniors. They're not going to need a ton of true freshmen to play a lot of snaps. So I will take the under on that. Yeah, I'll take the under. I think Brennan Presley is your dude right out the gate. It's going to get significant run. But other than that, I don't. I can't think of any right anyone right now that can go in and take that. I'm barring. Injury. There are some true freshmen who are going to play it. I think so too. Yes. Um, I wonder if Dominic Fresh Richardson gets to play throughout the season some. Um, I would be shocked if some true freshman offensive linemen don't get in there, maybe a little bit, assuming because of injury. Um, I am really curious about. the cornerback position. I know we got those three of Thomas Harper's of safety. Your backups behind Williams, Holmes, and Bernard Converse are redshirt sophomore DeMarco Jones and three true freshmen. I bet we see some true freshmen get some snaps. Not a lot, but I bet we see some true freshmen get some snaps at corner. Um, not a, Again, not a ton. Probably late in games if there's blowouts for sure, but we do see some. Those would be the ones that I would keep an eye on. The other one I would keep an eye on. I know that they're listed as or right now, and it would you would think that Ethan Bullock would get the nod. It's Mike Gundy, so you have to assume Ethan Bullock's going to get the nod at the back right. behind Shane Hillyworth because that's Gundy. But this is a bonus year that doesn't count against your year. I would almost tell him to make Shane Illingworth the backup and just be thanks, Ethan Bullock, for being here. We appreciate you being here in case something goes wrong. I would put make sure that make the backup whoever is the more talented of the two because we saw what happened last year. And not, I don't mean this bad. It was the only backup they it was the better backup they option to have with Drew Brown. But, you know, I would say whoever's the more talented gets the nod. So, oof, yeah. 
over under three and a half new uniform combinations. Now, this could be a new helmet, a new striped face mask, something we've never seen before. I left this one pretty vague, but I'm going to take the over just because I think the uniform guys are going to pull out all the stops. That's what we're going to do. I don't, I don't think this is. I'm curious about that this year with it being on TV and there not being crowds. Do you go all out in a season where no one's at the stadium to get excited about it, or does that matter at all? I think you know homecoming is going to be something different. Yes, uh, I think I think they'll go more. I think they'll do more in stadiums where there is going to be a crowd. I could see home games; they could pull out something new, something different because of limited capacity. I could see them doing something in Bedlam. I could see them doing something in K State. I'll take the under. Take the under. Yeah, we only have ten games. Three feels like a good number of new combinations with stuff. And it is really tricky with like, oh, well, they actually wore that one before, but it's a different face mask. You're like, well, that's not – that's the same, but okay. Yeah. Like, I'll say three. I'll, I'll take the under. That feels – it feels right. Yeah, I'll take uh, – I'll take the under, too. I think three is a pretty good number there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, over under one and a half drunk podcast because OSU pissed us off. Can we just say over, but I just leave it at drunk pod- podcasts? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, you don't have to say a caveat for that. Just over, under, one and a half drunk podcasts. Yeah, over, oh. over under. Yeah, and I think I think we take the over pretty pretty heavy on that one. <clears throat> Bless you. Thank you. All right. And last one here, over, under, eight and a half regular season wins. Under. Yeah, I'm taking eight. I, I think eight and two is like, well, I think that was what I said in the last episode. Uh, even with the new schedule. Um, and we're supposed to put our schedule predictions in, and I sent them to Micah, and I kind of want to tell her don't post mine yet because I haven't figured it out quite yet, especially now that we've actually seen some games, which is kind of cheating but not cheating. But, man, like, OSU drops a game they shouldn't. OSU is not going to beat Oklahoma. The Iowa State-Texas stretch, back-to-back games, uh, a stretch of at Baylor, Iowa State, Texas, at Kansas State, I don't care, like, it's still kind of sneaky, scary. Uh, I don't care what Iowa State looked like on Saturday. They always get better as the season goes on because they suck non-conference and early in the season they get better and it's annoying and they'll win more than they'll be better than 500 and we'll all talk about why they should be ranked preseason and up and coming next year. Maybe we won't for finally. Um, but Take Oklahoma as a loss, now you're at nine wins. They'll drop a game they shouldn't, now you're at eight wins. Can they beat both? Can they get through Baylor, Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State unscathed and just lose to Oklahoma and a team they shouldn't? I have a hard time not saying seven wins. Like, I want to say eight wins. I really, really do. I want to say eight and two. But I have a hard time with it. I just, like, you've got to – we have enough over the last few seasons for me to say – You've got to prove to me that you can win 10 games in the regular season because they haven't done it since 2015. And that was a fluky ass year where they went started 10 and 0 and I still the, the, the that team had no business being 10 and 0, but they were. Since then, nine regular season games, nine regular season game wins, six regular season wins, eight regular season wins. Like I, we're looking at a 10 game schedule. I have a hard time saying more than seven. I just, I just do. 
Yeah, I'm still sticking with eight wins. And I essentially because I think Oklahoma State, they're, this is like one of their top three teams in the conference. They are. And the conference is incredible. As we've seen over the past weekend, the, the conference is incredibly top heavy. Um, the Sun Belt going 3 0 against the Big 12 doesn't give me a lot of hope that the conference is actually going to be good as a whole. Um, I mean, Kansas is so bad, they were scheduling revenge games against the baseball school. Not great. I but, just, uh, like I said, I, they're going to lose to OU, death taxes, Oklahoma State losing Bedlam. We, we know this. And then they're going to drop a game they shouldn't. And I don't know what game that's going to be, and I don't want to predict one because I don't know. <laughs> because it's always a, a head-scratcher. It always is. It's always a game that Oklahoma State should go in. They are the better team. They go in with everything going their way, and they just find a way to just pee down their leg. And I don't know what game that's going to be. And it's going, and they're going to find a way to win the game where they have five starters out and all that, but they're going to come in completely healthy and just, just lose. I don't know what game that's going to be, but it's just going to happen. We've seen that trend for far too long. And that's going to, it's going to be part of it. I don't know what game that's going to be though. And I'm not going to try at TCU at the end of the season. That's my bet. I could definitely see that. Because, yeah, expectation, you probably have a shot at the Big 12 title on the line with that one. Well, I think TCU's defense is going to be fine. Um, their offense might not be very good, but I think their defense will be solid. Yeah. Um, road game, yeah, I just – but and I'll say this, and it's West Virginia. And Oklahoma State has no business losing to West Virginia on September 26th, but OSU also hasn't won a conference opener since 2015. Yeah. Like, I'm just – I'm at a point here where – I I have enough evidence to justify why I feel the way I feel about things. And you say, well, it's a different year. It is a different year. But 16, 17, 18, and 19 were all different years, and there were some similar problems with all of them. A loss that shouldn't have happened and a loss in your conference opener. So until OSU can stop doing those things, I can't assume they're not going to. Now, I may be incorrect on my picks of what those will be, but – Beat West Virginia at home to open conference play, and we'll we'll I'll I'll say okay, this might be the season that they actually have it. They finally get things going right, but they I, the last one they won was twenty fifteen, and if I remember correctly, it's last one before that was like let's see, they won it in twenty fifteen, they won it in twenty fourteen because that team started five and one, they lost Florida State. Then they kind of they lost it in 2013. Was that West Virginia Road? Point of the matter is this: win a conference opener against West Virginia, and we'll have a conversation of I can change my tune about how this season might go. But if it starts the way it always starts, I'm just I don't care how much better OSU is supposed to be than everybody else. The evidence points to this is what I should expect. Right. Yeah. I. I agree with you. It's it's a weird year, but I still think this is going to be a good enough team to be able to win eight games. But, you know, maybe well, I, I am. It is good enough. It's I, good I, enough. It's not I, an issue that. Yeah. I, I'm being more positive than you about this right now. What fresh hell is this? <laughs> what weird, weird – yeah, this is that's a little weird. Okay. Anyways, let's talk about the game this coming Saturday against Tulsa. What are – so we talked about what Oklahoma State – we know Oklahoma State's the better team, but what 
concerns you about this game? Is there anything that concerns you about this game? Um, nothing should concern us about this game. I, like, Tulsa had to push this game about, back a week because they didn't have any practice time. Like, that's this, – this team is not – Go, should not be ready to take Oklahoma State on in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the ben, the best thing about Tulsa last year was the defense. It's all gone. Um, you, the offense should be better this season, but it wasn't just, like, amazing last year. I, I have – and I don't mean this bad, but I have no reason to believe, and no one I've talked to does, that OSU should have any problem with Tulsa this weekend. I, I, I don't think – they're not going to be maybe as bad as their preseason prediction, which is like second to last place. I think it's like, I think they picked like 10th out of 11th, but man, like the, the betting line last I saw was 22. It's moved up. It was was 21 and a half at the beginning of last week. uh, I think I checked it today. I think it was 22. Like, yeah, I'm going to, Probably have to to go and take that. Um, They're bringing back three starters from their defense. Now they're bringing back nine starters in offense, which is nice. But OSU should win. OSU should win this one handily. Also, Tulsa doesn't have the benefit that Arkansas State did against Kansas State, that Louisiana did against Iowa State, that Houston Baptist did against Texas Tech. They. This is the season opener for both teams. Both teams, neither one has had the advantage of playing a game and getting that under their belt already, right? And I do think that it has an impact on some of these games' outcomes um, with everyone having a abbreviated off-seasons. Having had played a game, I think, is hugely valuable oh, yeah. in a season like this. Tulsa has not played a game. They are not going to have a ton of practices, Um if you want a good comparison, I was I saw an article about how if you went back and look at that BYU Navy game where Navy just couldn't tackle in that game and everyone was shocked at how bad Navy was, Navy hadn't had enough time to practice. It's a similar situation with Tulsa. Why Tulsa got pushed back? Oklahoma State should not only win this one, they should run all over Tulsa. Like they just should. Like they should win this one handily. This should be one of the biggest wins in history. Which means that they're gonna in history in like this competition's history. Which means it's gonna be like a a 14 point game because who the heck knows with a year like this, but I, I just don't, I don't have like, I, is there a part of me who's like, yeah, but just this weekend you didn't have, no, I thought Arkansas state would give Kansas state a game. I thought Louisiana would give Iowa state a game. I don't think that those, that Iowa state and Kansas state would lose those games, but I thought they would get games from those opponents because those are solid opponents. It's also I did the – when it, the line came out at, like, 21, and I did the article on it, basically, like, based on previous data, you should bet the, you should bet the, the 21. The closest game they've had since uh, Gundy took over. Gundy – under Gundy, OSU and, and Tulsa played four times. Last year's 19-point victory is the closest margin they've had. You should probably bet OSU to yeah, cover. Yeah, take OSU even in the so yeah, I'm gonna I'm just I'm gonna say I think OSU wins this one well. Um I think Tulsa put some points up because it the season's gonna be weird and it's you know it's a first game for both the teams. I could see it being ugly, um, but I think OSU should win this one 
fairly handily and by the second half be putting up points. Yeah, I I think I asked a question initially kind of poorly about what concerns me. Nothing really concerns me about this game if I'm being completely Nothing. honest. I just, I, Oklahoma State is health, better in every spot. Health of your offensive line. The balance of – and so when I – we did the on the 10-12 last week, on Thursday's episode, we make picks every week on for Thursday. Um, it's me, my buddy Chris Ross, who's a sometimes co-host, and, and Daniel Alexander of, of Grinders Blinders. He's basically our pro picker. We brought in somebody smart to, to be our third guy for the season. And my, one of the points I made with him talking about Texas was, you know, teams – how much do you think affects the fact that teams are going to keep their starters in longer than you normally would in a season-opening blowout because you just want to get them practice and reps and mm-hmm. things that they haven't been able to do. That's exactly what Texas did. Sam Ellinger played – way longer than Sam Ellinger should be playing in a game against UTEP where they're blowing them the hell out, right? Um, I kind of think you're going to see a similar situation with OSU this weekend. I think you it, – it, normally, you're up big on OSU, on Tulsa. You – Sanders is done early in the second half. Chuba's done early in the second half. You pack them all in. You put your backups in. I think your starters are in this game into early in the fourth quarter because you need the reps. Right. Because the players need the reps. Because Casey Dunn has never called plays in a game before. That was going to be my next point is did one, I don't necessarily, it's a hesitancy or just something to watch is outside of that one series when Sean Gleason was stuck in an elevator at Oregon State last year, Casey Dunn has never called games at the college level. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how he manages that. And he's not going to be on the sideline like he normally has been. He's going to be up in the booth which is just an, another spot where he's not – he hasn't been very often. How does he handle that side of it? But I think this is going to be – like, I, I'm interested in just how the offense goes. What kind of offense Casey Dunn wants to roll out there? How often are we going to throw the ball? Do, you, do we trust Spencer Sanders to let, to let it rip and air down? We know he can make every throw on the field, and we know that he can make the right read. It's just a matter of him just trusting his arm and just letting it rip. But I think – what gives me hope for Spencer Sanders and why I took the over on his yardage is having Tim Tay as his true and only quarterbacks coach. Doesn't have to worry about game planning and scheming the offense. Like you've had, like you've seen with Mike Yersich and Sean Gleason as a quarterback coach slash OC. You have a true OC, you have a true and true quarterbacks coach. I think this can help his development significantly. I think Spencer Sanders is going to have a really big year and I'm, I'm hoping to see that first step in the game this weekend. We know what Chuba's going to do. He's the best running back in the country. We know what Tyler Wallace is going to do. He's the top three wide receiver in the country right now. Can Spencer Sanders take that next step? And I have no reason to believe that he, he won't. Yeah. Uh, I just – it's a good point. Um, I do think that's the uh, – the, one of the other concerns for this season is how quickly does Casey Dunn, and remember Casey Dunn, it's not, it was another point which I, was really interesting and it was, it was dealing with all the like the goal line issues and, and scoring uh, zone issues yeah. and things. Yeah. Well, uh, for teams and it was, you know, teams have had a chance to practice, right. You yeah. practiced your football but you haven't had the opportunity to really work on these situational things, the small things that's, that, that pop up that you're like, oh, how come you guys aren't prepared to uh, 
be in a, a fourth and one at the two from offense. Why do you not like, because it's, it's a situational thing. Like it's the situational things on offense and defense that they haven't spent as much time on. You have a first year OC uh, who's never called plays before. He's not had a lot of time to work on stuff with them. Keep them going as long as you need. Like, I don't mean this to be mean to Tulsa, but like this is not a normal season opener. If OSU was up 35 points, they put all the backups and, and just run the ball. Gundy, keep your conservative ass at home. Let run this offense for four full quarters so that Casey Dunn and the players have the opportunity to get reps that matter under their belts before you start conference play. Right. You have to. You can't you can't be conservative in the third quarter to be nice. It's not going to help your team this year. You have to play. You have to practice. This is as much about practice as it is about the game. Right. And I will I'll say this, and I think we talked about a little this in the offseason too. If there's one guy that's going to be able to pull a Todd Monken and tell Gundy to f off and turn his headset off and kept keep calling plays, it's Casey Dunn. He. I that is, now do I think Casey Dunn is going to go rogue and do that? Probably not. But I think no. if there's anybody that has the rapport with Gundy and the respect of Gundy to be able to do that, it's Casey Dunn. So I talked to Scott Wright about that on my show and at the OSU preview, and I asked him like, you know, this is the thing that people have talked about as a potential thing. What do you think? And it basically, he was like, the difference here is, and with those situations, you know, and your such did as as the things went on, but. It Mike Gundy has to earn. You have to earn Mike Gundy's respect for him to loosen the leash, right? So Yursich's leash was super tight at the beginning, and and people complain later and later into Yursich's time as the OC that was it Yursich or Gundy, and it was Yursich if you want to be honest. By the end of the things, because Yursich, I think by the by the end was getting more of a leash than he used to for Gundy. Monken um, had the trust of Gundy. Holgerson trust of Gundy. Casey Dunn has the trust of Gundy. He does. He has that trust because they know each other so well. The difference here, though, is with Casey Dunn being a first-time OC, he is going to use Gundy as a resource um, because he's in a new situation and Gundy's been doing this for so long. And look, you can like Gundy, not like Gundy, whatever. I don't give a crap. Gundy's a smart, offensive-minded head coach, okay? How he handles whatever, I don't give a crap about any of that stuff. When it comes to offense, you've watched him in the coach's room during the playoff and national championship games. The guy knows offense. He knows what he's talking about. He is a good resource for Casey Dunn. So I have, I am, I'm going in with an optimistic bit of faith that Casey Dunn is going to be able to do a good job at this, but we're going to have to give him some leeway and Gundy's going to have to let, again, leave a conservative ass at home, man. This whole season, just don't do it. Go play. Go play and be aggressive because that I think that is especially in early parts of this season when teams are figuring things out. I think that will benefit you. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. It's it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of how everything works this season. But you have the the you know the players in place to be able to go and let it rip, and now it's just a matter of being able to execute that. I don't have much more to say. I I think Oakland State wins this game pretty handily. There there's this. You know, first game of the season, it doesn't feel like, the, you know, anything out of the ordinary from an Oklahoma State perspective. No. Now, we, this... we, say all, we say all this, and it's going to be a 10-point game. We're going to be sweating it for the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. But, you know, whatever. I... 
I don't think that's going to happen at all, but just just kind of how things go whenever we get way too confident. Unlike the Kansas State game, unlike the Iowa State game, I think and Arkansas State gets to play Tulsa. I think Arkansas State beats Tulsa. I think uh, Louisiana would beat Tulsa. I, I think – I don't think Tulsa is as good as either of those teams. I think Oklahoma State is better than Kansas State and Iowa State this year. Um, I do think they're one of the three best teams in the conference, and I do think they should go out and, and, and handle – Tulsa. And for the Big 12's sake, they need them to. Like, you, OU curb stop Missouri State. It's Missouri State. Who cares? But OU looked good doing it. Tulsa or Texas curb stomped UTEP. UTEP is, there are half the FCS is better than UTEP, but it doesn't matter. Texas came out, and <laughs> uh, if you watched that game, it looked like Oklahoma State circa 2017. It was a quite a bit of deja vu. The first play from scrimmage that scored a touchdown was the Mason Rudolph, the James Washington special. So get ready for that when you watch. Literally watching Texas this year is like, is this OSU back in 2017? I saw that slant and I went, oh, I've seen that story about 30 times. Yeah. So Texas did what they were supposed to do. OSU needs to go out and do what it's supposed to do against the best non-conference opponent of the three – top teams in the conference of OU, uh, Texas, and OSU, Tulsa's the best one. Not by a mile, but they are the best one. I'd like to see OSU go out and essentially do to Tulsa, similarly what Texas and Oklahoma did to UTEP, Missouri, and that is definitively beat them. It's good for the Big 12. It's good for Oklahoma State, especially after what happened this past weekend. Yeah. Do you want to offer a score prediction? Take the over – Like, you know what, do you know what the over-under is set at? No, I cannot. So my places I normally go, I cannot find the over under. No, I can't find the over under. It's anywhere. Like it's it's at twenty two now. The, it, the the OSU is favored by twenty two points. Basically, do you think they win by three touchdowns or more? Um, I, yeah, I I'm taking OSU in this one forty five twenty. Uh, probably like, yeah, that's probably, that's good. I don't want to, I hate betting numbers. Like I almost like doing over-unders and spread bets better than trying to guess the score. I think a win of around 24 to 25 points feels about right. Um, even 28 would be good. Uh, I definitely think it's more than three touchdowns. Like I think OSU wins between 24 and 28 points. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Now we get to do our favorite part of our predictions before a game. What is your official uniform prediction for Saturday? Oh, God, I haven't thought about it. And this podcast is going forever. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. We're, it's the first one. It's been a while, so get over it. Um, mm, to home opener, oh, they'll probably use some – usually use white during home openers a lot. So let's go to the 11 a.m. game on ESPN. Like white, white, black feels it's, about right. It's a home game? Oh, yeah, it is a home. I told you I'm tired. It's late. Uh, just ignore me. Just delete that from existence. Um, God, I haven't thought about uniforms in so long. Uh, orange. Let's go. I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know. I, don't I'm know. Go, I mean, I, I think it's 11 a 11 a.m. game on ESPN. First game of the year, they usually keep it pretty simple. I'm going to go white, orange, white with Patriot Pete. 
white orange white sounds good um i don't i don't think they they don't normally they may go white white orange orange but it's going to be some variation now like i don't think we see any black or gray in this one you don't think there's any gray i, I uh not in this uh, one i will i will go white orange white but i don't think patriot pete's here i think this is I think it's just the brand. Just the brand, yeah. I, I don't. I don't foresee anything too crazy with this one. First game of the year, I think they're going to try and keep it pretty simple. But it's still fun to try and think about it, right? Oh, uh, it's I, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look. I love the uniform stuff. It's a ton of fun. Um, this is going to sound really stupid, but like. It, it I've reached the point in life where I'm like, um, yeah, that all sounds good. You guys, sure. I don't know. That's not a thing that I've had time to have cross my mind is uniform predictions, and it should have. I'll do better next week, I promise. Uh, I will be more prepared next week for uniform predictions. Yeah, man. Um, we, we didn't know there was going to be football a month ago. We're still trying to get our wheels spinning back to normal here. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little bit of a rough one. This is a long podcast. If you have reached this point, uh, you're the real Bravo. MVP. Thank you Bravo. for listening. We'll we'll send you something. I, no, we won't. But no, we we won't. we, 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 we appreciate the fact that you will sit here and listen to us ramble for an hour and twenty minutes. Anyway, if you get to the end of this pod, I wonder if we have any koozies left. Uh, I have a whole box of them in my closet. If you get to this point in the podcast, tell you what, if you get this far, DM Joel. He'll mail you. Well, yeah, we'll get you a, a, a Cowboys reference with a koozie if you make it to this point. And then you have to like DM Joe or DM the uh, the uh, Cowboys reference free Twitter account, and we'll send a koozie. Sounds good. like that. We'll we'll go ahead and do that. But hey, we got football this Saturday. It's exciting. Uh, I might be at home. I might be in the hospital. I don't know yet. We'll 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 find out. This week is going to be an adventure. Uh, Phil, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at OKTXARPoke. Go follow my show, The Tendril Podcast, T E N 1 2, the word podcast. We'll have an episode up on Monday recapping the, uh, the weekend it was. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's, uh, it's doing really well. I'm very happy. We've got two sponsors this year that I'm very go. excited about. We've got All discounts right. for both, including one if you're a fan of home field apparel which I am, you should, you should go check out the pod and find out how to save on some awesome new shirts. All right, follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back after the game on Saturday at some point, you know, a couple, day or two after. We'll have a recap. And we'll not sure if we'll go back to two episodes a week like we've done the last couple of years, but we will have some sort of recap content for you uh, soon after the game against Salsa. Have a good one, everybody.